Hey, spiritual warriors, welcome back to War in the Spirit. This is Faith Coffin Green, and I am excited to bring you a special edition of War in the Spirit entitled The Final Flush. God, we come before you. We just say thank you for another day, God, for another opportunity to come into your presence, Father. God, we thank you, God, that you dwell in the midst of us, Father. God, we ask right now that you would just give us a fresh revelation, a fresh anointing, a, a revival, a renewal, God. God, we ask right now, Father, that you would just dwell in this place, God, that your power, that your presence will come and descend upon us, Father. God, we thank you, God. God, that you've, you've brought us in assembly together to come into agreement for something great that you are doing on our behalf, Father, on the behalf of your kingdom, God. God, we ask right now, God, that you would just break a fresh vial of oil over us, God. God, that you would just take us into the new, into the next, Father. God, that you would show us the path that you would have us to walk, God, that you would flush out anything that's hindering us from getting there, God. Cleanse us, Father, that we may be proper witness to you, to your power, to your glory, to your kingdom, God. Decrease us and increase you, Father. Move us out of the way that when people see us, they see you, that when they hear us, they hear you, Father. We don't want any of the glory that belongs to you, God. We give it all to you, God. We bless your holy and righteous name. I ask right now, Father, that you would just impart a fresh word to your children right now, God. God, that these won't be my words, that they will be yours. God, that you would just completely take over, Father. I pray all these things in the mighty, matchless name. Amen. This is a prophetic message that God gave me to teach during a Bible study a while ago, and he brought it back around to me yesterday and told me to post it to the podcast because it is a word for right now in anticipation of what God is about to do. The supernatural is breaking forth. The title of today's lesson is The Final flush you know as god began to kind of speak to me about this lesson and to give me this word and this revelation you know i'm always in pursuit going okay god because i've come to understand that god only releases a thing to you he only pushes you into the next thing when he knows that you're ready for it so i'm always going god what more do I need to know? What more do I need to do? What more do I need to understand? What more do I need to shift? God, show me what it is that you want me to see. And, you know, and 
I'm if I'm being honest, sometimes it just feels like he'll he'll show me a thing and I'll be like, okay, I, I'm addressing that. All right. And then I'll address that thing. And then he's like, oh, and here's another thing. Okay. And then I'll address that. And then he's like, oh yeah, by the way, you need to deal with this too. And you need to understand this too. And, and I'm like, God, are we ever going to get there? You know, I, sometimes I feel like a kid sitting in the back seat. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm tired of riding God. Um, and so he said to me this week, you'll know that you have arrived in position when you're no longer looking for me to do what I'm going to do in a practical way. He said, you will know that you have arrived in the posture and the position that I need you to be for the miracle. When you are looking for it, not in the natural, not in the practical, but in the supernatural. And, you know, it's so interesting because yesterday we had worship and it was a powerful, I mean, just out y'all, I'm, I'm, I didn't even want to do worship. God, when I got the prompt, I was like, but God, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. And literally I had like 10 songs on my list. We got to like four songs and God just, that, that last song, God just took it and I mean, it, it was just a breakdown and I was led to kind of cry out for cleansing and for washing and to come into the space of real purity so that God can take us into the high place. Because who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart. You know, when when Moses uh, ascended to, to Mount Sinai to meet with God and he came back down and he gave the people instructions on what they needed to do when he was talking about consecrating themselves and this is this is in exodus 19 but he was talking about consecrating themselves and how they needed to cleanse themselves and how god said if they weren't clean they weren't going to be able to come even to the foot of the mountain and so i was led to cry out yesterday for that for cleansing for 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 purity of righteousness and not perfection but a pure pursuit of righteousness, a pure pursuit of holiness to, to truly get in alignment with what God's word says about who we should be and how we should be living our lives. And I, you know, it, I get in my feelings, y'all. I get emotional about this thing, <laughs> but I get in my feelings because I feel like as Christians, we overlook the truth of what God is calling us to. And and we 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 kind of adopt the things that we're comfortable with and, and then we overlook the things that are gonna push us into a space of discomfort, the things that are gonna require us to turn away from some things and some people and some old habits and some and some lifestyles. It's gonna push us into some lifestyle changes and it's gonna require us to say no to some things that we might have wanted to do and that maybe our friends are doing, but but God is like, No, you can't do that no more because I'm calling you into righteousness and so um, it made me think about how you get into the posture of being able to believe for the supernatural. And the real way that you get into the posture of being able to believe for the supernatural is you first got to put the worldly stuff away. Because 
because because that's the stuff that keeps you in the worldly posture that's the stuff that keeps you tied to the practical way that's the that's the stuff that keeps you tied to the world's understanding of how something is supposed to be done when god is calling you to a higher understanding he's calling you to commune with him and to to come and 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 into the company of his thoughts and and not the company of your own thoughts he's he's calling you to come to the place of 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 the company of his character and his nature and not your own nature and not the nature of the world but in order for you to do that you have to abandon what you knew you have to abandon you know i was talking to somebody um a couple days ago and i was talking about um the fact that you know you know the word says that god knew us before he formed us in the womb well when he formed us in the womb we were already who he created us to be and then what happened is all these experiences in the world and and our connecting to the things of the world reprogrammed us to think in a different way and i was talking about faith and how i remember i was teaching a lesson on faith and i, I had given my cousin a word about something that god said to me about her and i was sharing with her something that um that god had told me in regard to me and 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 she was like well and i said but the thing that god told her for her i said but you got to believe it you got to have faith and she was like well you have radical faith and it kind of got under my skin a little bit because i was like well what do you mean i have radical faith as if i was like a leper or something like oh you just different and i was like but wait where in the word does it use the word radical in regard to faith and um you know i i was thinking about this and i was like you know we have allowed the world to and and experiences of the world and the enemy to to steal from us the truth of the heritage that god has given us and our ability to believe in him and our ability to believe that he is truly capable of anything that he has absolutely no limits but we put limits on him. And I said to her, I was like, but the way I operate is what the way that the word says I'm supposed to operate in faith. So what's happened is the world has reprogrammed you to believe that the way that God says we're supposed to believe him is abnormal, that it's it's radical, that when, when that's really supposed to be the norm, you see, because the way that they operated in faith in the Bible is the way that we're supposed to operate in faith. But we often look at that as like, oh, it's radical, but it's not. And so God is trying to flush out the program that the world has placed on us that and and reprogram us be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and so we've got to allow god to flush that out because we can't get to the miraculous we can't get to demonstration because you know i think a lot of people think that 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 the miraculous is dead that that the supernatural is dead but if you know like i know he's the same god that he was then as he is now 
which means that the same things that he did then are possible now. But we have to elevate ourselves to the place and the position where we can believe for that stuff so that we can operate in it. You see, <laughs> there's a time of testing coming to determine if you are ready for the great overhaul that God has for your life. <laughs> you see, he's going to put some doors in front of you that will tempt you, that will tempt the places that you came out of. Will you take the door he just delivered you from out of desperation or will you wait for the God door? It's funny because I had a dream earlier this week or last week, I guess, where, um, and it was, it was a dream for someone or someone I knew was in it. And, and I kind of called them and I gave them a warning and I said, you know, there's a door opening. Um, and the door in my dream, it opened, they walked through the door and the room that was behind the door was full of all these other doors. And all these doors looked different. Some were, were gold, were, were encrusted with gold and some were encrusted with gems and diamonds and they were all these high profile doors. And then there's this one door that's real plain looking. And um, I said, it's the modest door. That's the God door. Because, see, God is going to place some things in front of you that will test whether you will take what you've learned in your process and in your previous seasons and apply it to where he's taking you. Or if you'll fall back into the trap of taking the flashy door, the thing that looks like it's easy to, to walk through, the thing that looks like it's got everything that you need, or will you walk through the God door? And it's funny because um, I also saw in the dream and, and there was somebody else in the dream, which I also issued a warning and, and, and there was a, a musician and, and they were pitching to some people to be a director of this big show. And um, he had to put a train on the track for music to play, but it wasn't his music. It, it was the music of the people composing the play and the, and the train came off the track and, and he never could get it back on the track again. And I said, you see, that opportunity that was placed in front of you is not the God opportunity, but it looks good. And if you take it, it's going to get you way off track. Why? Because it's still meant to control you. See, there are some doors that will be put in front of you that if you walk through, it's gonna put those shackles back on your feet that you've, heard, you, you, you've worked so hard to break off. See, there's an opportunity coming that will look and sound great, but it will get you so far off track from where God wants you that you won't be able to get back. Like it will bring resources and opportunities that will be such a temptation for you because you're desperate for resources or you're desperate for something that you've been praying for or waiting for for such a long time that you won't turn it down. <laughs> but don't take the bait. You see, the posture of miracles is confidence without the desperation. You see, <laughs> you have all these people 
we're going to look at this. Let's look at the woman with the issue of blood. This is Mark chapter 5, uh, verses 21 through 34. And it says, when Jesus had, uh, no, let's, let's skip down. No, we'll read it. All right, when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and upon seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing on him. Verse 25, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garment, I will get well. See, and that takes me back to what we talked about last week about the bridge between God is able and God will do. See, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Immediately, I'm going to say that again, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Again, immediately, Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? You see, she had confidence, faith, belief that if she could just get to the point where she could touch the power, she would be healed. And what happened? immediately power was released and immediately her miracle showed up let's let's look at uh uh mark chapter two we're not going to read all of this um but this is the man that got lowered through the roof the paralytic and it says and they came bringing to him a paralytic this is verse three of chapter two uh carried by four men being able to get to him because of the uh being unable to get to him because of the crowd they removed the roof above him and when they had dug an opening they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying and jesus seeing their faith said to the paralytic son your son your sins are forgiven again there's an immediacy here. He saw their faith. They were willing to do whatever was necessary in order to get to the power. What are you willing to do in order to get to the power? Again, let's look here. This is uh, John chapter two this is jesus turned water into wine i'm going to start at verse one on the third day there was a wedding in cana of galilee and the mother of jesus was there and both jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding when the wine ran out the mother of jesus said to him they have no wine and jesus said to her woman what does that have to do 
with us. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there was six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim and he said to them, draw out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him and the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom. So you know what's so interesting to me about how Mary responds to this situation? Jesus tells her, what does that have to do with me? She didn't even acknowledge the fact that he's like, well, that ain't got nothing to do with me. She had this like expectation, this level of expectation that you're here. I know you're here. The power is here in the room. So I'm not even going to pretend or even acknowledge the thought of you not being able to do it. See, when you know your identity and you know that the power is in you and with you and that the God of peace is with you, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the supernatural is also with you if you believe it. If you have the confidence to believe it, if you have the faith to believe it, if you have the audacity to believe that God will do it, it will be done when? Immediately. There was no delay between when these people initiated with the power, when they engaged with the power and when the miracle came forth. You know, I used to, I, I, I will always ask God, God, what is, what, what, What's the difference between when we receive a word and something manifests? And sometimes we wait for a long period of time for it to manifest. And the way they experience miracles in the Bible, and he said, it's proximity to the glory. See, the closer that you are to the glory, the more immediate. <laughs> okay, God. The more immediately you see the miracle see so when you clean yourself up enough when you allow god to clean you up enough when you consecrate enough when you turn away from enough stuff in the world when you allow god to re un un take away that old program that the world has placed in then you then you can ascend and you can be in immediate proximity to the glory this is the final flush See, God has to flush all of that stuff, all of that old understanding, all of those old experiences out of you so you can come into proximity, immediate proximity with the glory. And you know what's so funny is God, I, I, this scripture uh, dropped on me as I was, as I was, um, as I was working on and putting together the lesson is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and it says, I'm going to start at verse seven, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. I'm going to say that again. Each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For one, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. 
and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit and to another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healing by the same spirit um by the one spirit and to another the affecting of miracles stop see it's your faith that allows you to be able to affect miracles because it's your faith and your righteousness that bring you into proximity of the glory see when you get in position you obtain the gift to affect miracles because now you've come into ascension you've come into proximity with the glory you've come into contact with the power and immediately something will spring forth because you have come into direct proximity with the glory how, how do we affect miracles first we become his will see this is how you come into proximity to the glory so that you can affect miracles not just for yourself but for demonstration to others this is how you become witness so let's look at this Hebrews 2, 1 through 5. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. See, that thing that God spoke to you, hold it in your heart. Don't, don't push it to the background. Don't, don't, don't say, well, you know what? It's going to happen when it's going to happen. No, you need to be in pursuit of that thing. You need to keep it at the forefront. God, what do you want me to understand about me in order for me to become the recipient of this word? For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Hmm. My goodness. Okay. Hmm. Man. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. You see, when you get into alignment with his will for who he desires for you to be, that's step one. Again, as I was talking last week about um, God works from the inside out, so often we're looking for God to do something around us, but God has to do something in us before he can do something around us. So, so see, when you want his will to be done in your life, first you have to become, you have to allow his will to be done in you. That's the first step to affecting miracles. See, and then the second step is we wait for the power to show up. Don't be trying to go ahead of God. Don't be trying to make your own way to the miracle. Don't be trying to say, oh God, well, maybe if I just do this, I, I can help you along this way. Or don't be doing the Abraham and Sarah. Well, God, I know you said we were going to have a son, but you know, I, I've got this, this, this handmaid over here, this this servant over here, and I can just give her to my husband and she can bear us a son. Don't be trying to manipulate the miracle so it comes to you in your own way or your own time. You wait 
for the power to show up. You wait for the power to show up. This is Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 through 8. To these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering. <laughs> okay, God. See, see, you've, you've been suffering for so long and you thought your word was dead. You you thought it was dead. You you thought it wasn't going to come forth. You thought after you waited so long, man, God must have forgotten about me, or maybe it's just not my time yet, or I don't know, God. But see, then He presented Himself alive after His suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. That word didn't die. God put you in the wilderness so he could speak to you about things concerning his kingdom so that he could help you understand what he was calling you to do so that he could help you to understand that you, when you come into that kingdom identity that he's been speaking to you about, that he's been cultivating you into during your wilderness period, then the power will show up. So verse four, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what but to wait for what the father had promised see don't leave that posture don't leave that position that god placed you in don't leave that mindset that god has worked so hard to get you into that you've worked that you've pressed so hard to get to don't leave that place wait for what he promised don't settle for less than what he promised because you're tired because you're weary because you can't see how it's going to come to you. Do not settle. Which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witness, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. So how do you affect miracles? First, you become his will. That who he desired you to be when he formed you in the womb. Second, you wait for the power to show up don't abandon the promise don't move ahead don't try to do it your own way don't try to get your own understanding third you speak when you open your mouth you speak as if you are speaking the utterance of god first peter chapter 4 verse 11 whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by strength, which God supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, it's so funny because, and I'm going to go on to the other two, but I have to say this. 
because this is what this makes me think about when I talk about speak the utterances of God. When you open your mouth, do so as if you're speaking the utterance of God. So, so let me help you with that. When you open your mouth, you are a vessel for God. You are a vessel for the power, which means that what you say is going to move and shift something. So when you open your mouth, be very careful what you say. Because just as the word says, you know, that they always say, write the vision and make it plain. But a lot of people skip over the second part of that. It says, write the vision and make it plain and he will send a herald to retrieve it for you. So see, when when you write the vision, when you when you speak the thing that God said to you, something is going to be retrieved. When you speak the utterance of God, because God put that promise in you. He put that desire in your heart. He gave you that promise. He made the covenant. That is his utterance. So when you speak, you better speak life to that thing. Don't speak death to it. Because the same way that when you write the vision and make it plain, he will send a herald to go retrieve it for you. When you speak death to that thing, you're giving the enemy a foothold to go and speak what you, uh, to go and retrieve what you said. Oh, she don't believe today? Oh, cool. Let me put some stuff in front of her or him to, to back them up from the position that they were in. See, it made me think about every time that you speak life to something, yeah, and, and, and a herald, it made me think about this illustration, a herald, an angel goes forth to begin retrieving that thing for you. And every time you speak death to it, you, you think about a game board. <laughs> you, you stop that angel in his tracks and you give the, the kingdom of darkness a warrant to go forth ahead of that angel to retrieve also what you said because you spoke death to it. So I tell people all the time, Look, when I'm in my feelings about something, when I'm tired, when I'm like, God, I'm kind of over this today. I ain't really trying to do it or, 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 or I'm weary. I am silent. I am very careful about what I say about what God said over my life. So when you speak, you speak the utterance of God. What did God say? Not what do you say? Not what did the world say about that thing? Not you too old to get it. You too far past your prime. You, you don't have enough experience. You don't have enough education. You haven't been successful thus far. Uh-uh. You speak what God said. God said, this is my promise. God said, this is my territory. God said, this is my victory. Because in Genesis... One, one through four, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and, and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw, see, you can be surrounded by every bit of darkness but when you open your mouth and you speak the utterance of God, let there be light. And there was light. And there will be light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. See, man, 
Lord Jesus. When you speak the utterance of God, he will begin to separate you. My God, he will begin to separate you from the darkness. But see, every time you continue to speak to that darkness and you continue to give that darkness favor in your life, you continue to give that, my God, when you continue to give that darkness and that doubt and that unbelief and that weariness, you give it real estate in you. You give it, you give it space to take up what God said. It's taking up the space where the light is supposed to dwell. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So when you speak the utterance of God and you say, let there be light, let there be manifestation, let there be promises, let there be, you're giving the light more capacity. You're giving the light more jurisdiction. You're taking away the jurisdiction from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening. That means, and there was morning and a new day came. Something turned around when he spoke light into the darkness. Jesus. Let's look at Mark. Chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Stop. Not you didn't speak doubt. See, that's another level. Not you didn't speak doubt out of your mouth, but if you don't doubt in your heart. See, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to truly believe it in your heart. There's a place of testing there. But believes that what he says is going to happen. Now, it might happen. Now, I know God can do it, but God will do. It will be granted to him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Here it is. I'm just giving y'all all the evidence. It's all over. First John 5, 13 through 15. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which I have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, stop. If you ask anything according to his will. See, a lot of people think that you're asking a thing according to his will, as in what God said you can and cannot have. But when I read this, it makes me think about according to his will for who he desires you to be. Is it in alignment with who God says your kingdom identity is? Or is it going to throw off your identity? So when you ask according to his will for who he created you to be, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Speaking to them as if they were those dry bones and calling them to come to life, to, to speak flesh onto them, to speak tendons, to speak skin onto them so that they could rise and be formed and be manifested 
For we know they've already been manifested in the spirit. But it's your faith and your ability to affect miracles that will bring them into manifestation in the natural. So let me remind you, how do you affect miracles? You become his will, your identity. You wait for the power to show up and then you speak the utterance of God. Immediately something happens. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because as again, I was preparing for this and as God was talking to me about the final flush and, and what he's bringing and, and what he's doing in that, and that we have to flush it out in order uh, that we have to be flushed out of the worldly mindset and the worldly understanding and the worldly perception in order to receive a thing. The other thing that we need to understand, y'all have heard me talk about this over and over and over and over and over and over again, is that you must preserve your oil. So um, he took me to um, Matthew 25. This is the parable about the, the, the 10 virgins. Then the kingdom, this is verse one. Um, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will be, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Man. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut later the other virgins also came saying lord lord open up for us but he answered truly i say to you i do not man i do not know you be on the alert for you do not know the day nor the hour let me tell you i just got a whole revelation while i was reading this <laughs> you know it's so funny when it says uh, verse eight, the foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you to go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. See, you know, what's so interesting about this is, is people will look at your oil and, and they'll look at the grace on your life and you, the, what the process that you've gone through to get to the position of being in God's will and becoming the, your kingdom identity. But they haven't seen the deal of themselves. See, you've been in a season where God has been dealing with you, where God has been cutting things away and pruning and burning things away and, and addressing your wounds and, and your broken mindsets and your, and your resentment and your bitterness and your anger or your depression or whatever it is that you've been You saw the dealer. You saw the dealer. 
See, and these people will come to you wanting to tap into your oil without having seen the dealer, without having bought the oil for themselves, without having gone through the process. And this is why he says to them, I say to you, I do not know you. Why? Because they hadn't been to the dealer. They didn't know the dealer before he showed up. See, the, see, you went to the dealer before the time came for him to come and reap you up because you're a part of the harvest of the kingdom. But, but he didn't know them because they hadn't been to the dealer. They, they wanted to come and take your oil that you bought with your sacrifice, that you bought with your surrenderance, that you bought with your life. But they ain't seen the dealer for themselves. <laughs> See, there's a time to share your oil and a time to withhold it. This is a time where you are not to share your oil. It's a time where God is testing each individual's own preparation. And if you attempt to stand in the way of that, you will be left out in the cold too. Why? Because you ain't going to have no oil left in your lamp for yourself. It's a season to use divine wisdom and not practical wisdom. See, practical wisdom, common sense would have told these five virgins who amply prepared to share their oil. But, but they had no knowledge of when the bridegroom would show up. They didn't know how long that supply of oil was going to have to last them. Therefore, divine wisdom said, no, let me hold on to this oil. And let me help you. See, if you help those in this time and this season, and you allow them to tap into your oil and to ride your coattail, when they haven't seen the dealer, it's going to be detrimental to you. For you have amply prepared and been storing it up for this time, and they have not. For the time when the storehouse doors would be shut has arrived. And if you have no oil in your lamp, you won't be granted access. And, you know, as I was, as I was reading through this, it made me think of, you know, that old Aesop's fable, um, the ant and the grasshopper. But, but, but this time, um, I, I saw another version. It was a story of the ant and the cicada, and it was basically the same, but it made me think about a cicada and how much noise a cicada makes. Um, see, we are arriving at winter, just like in the story, where, where the ant, the ant um, spends the whole summer gathering up, gathering up, gathering up, preparing, because the ant knows that winter is coming. And the cicada is out in the summer frolicking and enjoying life, not considering that there's something coming ahead that may need preparation. See, it's a time where things are, are dying and only those who put a harvest in the ground in previous seasons and have done what is necessary to reap will eat in this season. 
See, just like that ant, you've been pressing in and sacrificing to the labor of the kingdom so that there may be meat in the storehouse. The cicada, the noisy insect, the, the, the ones that have to be seen and, and heard, making all the noise but producing none of the harvest. <laughs> you see, ants work silently beneath the surface. And, and you have been doing the work beneath the surface in the places and the spaces where people can't see, but they thought you weren't moving. <laughs> Not wanting to be seen and heard, but understanding the importance of the work that has to be done. That's where you've been. You've been working on your heart and your mind and your spirit instead of the platform and the provision and the opportunities. You see, the cicada said he didn't have time for working because he was too busy enjoying summer and having fun and being seen and heard. Meanwhile, the ant is working, preparing for the bridegroom, bringing into the storehouse. And at some point, the seasons change. And the cicada was so busy focusing on the wrong thing that he didn't even realize that fall snuck up on him. A time where everything was dying and it was too late to gather up for the winter. He looked up and realized he was high and dry and had no true sustenance. But see, the ant has stored up enough to last him through the whole winter. If he had given in to the cicada at that time, he would be hungry when winter came. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3. This is verses 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. <laughs> my goodness. So, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground. Nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be delightful. You shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So, see, there's so many. As this, as this passage says in Malachi, Will a man rob God? And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And as we've talked about this before, the whole tithe is not just money. It's yourself. You got to bring yourself into the storehouse. And you know what's so funny about this passage is it says, the Lord will rebuke the devourer. <laughs> See, the ant was busy bringing the tithe into the storehouse. The, 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 the prudent virgins were busy bringing the tithe into the storehouse, the whole tithe into the storehouse. And then you have the cicada. The cicada that, that is like the grasshopper. And the grasshopper is in the family with the, um, with the locusts and, and they devour things. See, and God is like, oh, I'll rebuke that devourer for you. They can't take up your oil because I have not known them. They haven't come to the dealer. They haven't come to see me. They haven't met me. They haven't sought me. 
They haven't knocked on the door. They haven't asked. And God sees what you've been doing below the surface. He knows what you've been doing below the surface. Here it is, Matthew 6, 2 through 6. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. See, they got their reward. They got their own glory from men. But see, you, you, you kept it private. You kept it silent. You worked below the surface so that you could receive the real reward. See, you know, it's funny because I was talking to somebody about this and I was saying, you know what? When I think about our inheritance and what God is truly offering us, the fullness of what he's offering us, and a lot of times what we accept from the world, it's like the difference between getting the winning trophy and getting a certificate of participation. You see, that glory that, that, that they received from the men, from men and the world, is like the certificate of participation. But when you work below the surface and you allow God to do what God needs to do in you and you give him the full tithe and you bring your full tithe of yourself into the storehouse, he will reward you far beyond any reward that the world could give you. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Verse three, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have again their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, you got to understand that the time of separation has arrived. And, and God is identifying the ants and the cicadas, the prudent and the foolish and there's a separation of the light from the darkness. See, because those have been speaking light, God separates the light from the darkness. See, because you've been able to identify the season and what you needed to do in this season. See, Matthew 16, 1 through 4 says, uh, the Pharisees, this is, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the time? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. You see, you're like the sons of Issachar. 
in first chronicles 12 it says uh verse 31 and 32 it says of the half tribe of manasseh 18,000 who were designated by the name by name to come and make david king of the sons of issachar men who understood the times with knowledge of what israel should do their chiefs were 200 and all their kinsmen were at their command you see there's a difference between the ant and the cicada between the prudent and the and the foolish because the ant and the prudent they can discern the times and what needs to be done in this time yes it means that there's going to be a sacrifice yes it means that i can't may not have been able to do everything that i wanted to do but i understood that winter is coming that this is the time for preparation so don't let them take your oil that you've been preparing for for so long. See, just like in Acts, as we looked at Acts chapter 1, God didn't reveal the time to you because God has been testing you to see if you can discern it for yourself. And if you will gather when, this, when the spiritual seasons say gather and play, when the spiritual seasons say play. You see, because we're coming into a time where others will be gathering and you will be playing just as they were playing while you were gathering. And you got to be at peace with that because they got to go to see the dealer for themselves. Because now you have amply prepared for the winter that is coming. The cold will not phase you you will be insulated from it whereas others will be out in the cold trying to scavenge for what for that which is dead they will knock at your door and you will have to tell them only that they need to turn to the father for answers because that is where god has been trying to direct them all along do not open the door for them because you will become a hindrance to their growth and their seek of god See, that seat can only be cultivated in the cold. See, you've experienced your wintry season already. And in that winter, you found the father. You reestablish relationship with him. You rediscover your identity. And that is what this wintry season is going to do for them too. So don't rob them of the experience because robbing them of the experience will also rob them of the outcome of the glory, of the presence, of the relationship, of the understanding and of the revelation. Don't rob them and don't rob God. I know that common sense would tell you, go out and rescue. It's not what you're supposed to do in this time. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And I was, I was just telling somebody um, the other day that Many of us give God only what is convenient for us. And so many people, we're, we're watching that happen so much. And, and that's why so many, of, so many people have not fully experienced the prosperity and the alignment of God. We, we won't give him everything. And, and in that right, we're robbing him. We're, we're calling the wicked, man, we're calling the wicked blessed. because of possessions and opportunities we've we've taken a word that belongs to god and applied it to the things of the world speaking falsely on behalf of god 
Again, every good thing is not a God thing. And you know, as I was thinking about this, because sometimes this hurts me, and this is what God was saying to me. He was like, they're blaspheming my name. You know how people do? Oh, I got this new job. God bless me with this new job. Oh, I got this new relationship. God bless me with this new relationship. I got this check. God bless me with this check. But here's the thing. Everything that looks like a blessing is not. So we're calling a whole bunch of things a God thing that is not. Many of those things are just bait that the enemy dangled out in front of people to keep them from pursuing the actual God thing. You see, a blessing is actually synonymous with God. The definition of blessing is God's favor and protection. A prayer asking for God's favor and protection, it's literally a God word, a direct reference to God himself. So then why is it that we have watered it down to become synonymous with anything that we deem good? Oh, you got a new job. That was a blessing. You got married. That was a blessing. You got a record deal. That was a blessing. But come on, let's just be real. We know deep down that God didn't open those doors. Those doors were baked to keep people out of position. And we have been doing people a disservice by calling it a blessing. See, this is a part of a thing of the world that has to be flushed out of all of us. And I know we all guilty of it. Sometimes we validate things without knowing if it's a God thing. When people, we, we, you know, when people call you and say, oh, I got this and that, and this happened for me, and that happened for me, and oh, oh, that's a blessing. But what happens is we're misleading people into thinking that a good thing is a God thing. And if we are truly to be witness to God's power and God's glory, to be a mouthpiece for him and to speak his utterance, we have to be extremely careful about what we validate. And our understanding of what God is truly in and what he isn't. Because everything that looks good did not come from God. You see, it insinuates when we validate something and we call it a blessing, it insinuates that God did it and that he ordained it. And I'm always very careful about what I validate. I see a thing happen in the lives of people that seem like a blessing, but then God says it was just bait of the enemy. And, and, and therefore, I, I'm very careful not to validate it or congratulate or because I know that that thing is taking someone off of course of where God wants them to be. And just like I was telling you about the dreams that I had about the doors that look like these big, wonderful doors and the opportunities that look like these big, wonderful opportunities were just bait to keep people from becoming who God called them to be. And God is about to test you in the same way. He will test your ability to see and your ability to say. He will test your boldness and your trust. He will test your allegiance and commitment to him to truly stand on his word and not lean to your own understanding. He will test you to discern a thing for yourself and your own situation, your ability to truly identify a blessing. And he will test your ability to call out that which is not.
every good thing is not a God thing. This is the final flush. See, God has to conduct a final flush out of you. There will be a rush of the spirit in these next few months to flush the final remnants of the world and worldly perspective and worldly understanding out of you before he prepares to push you into your next territory. You see, he has to flush all that stuff out of you. He has to conduct one last emptying to make sure you are truly ready to eat, that you have the capacity to take on the feast that has been prepared for you, that you have the faith to affect miracles, that you have the trust and the understanding and the capacity to believe for the supernatural. And he is flushing out that which you that which you were still carrying to make room for that which you are to receive. The old is to be washed away and the new is delivered simultaneously. Think of uh, of a toilet. You see, when 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 something is 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 flushed out of you, when you're emptied out and you flush it. That old dirty water goes away and immediately there's a fresh new water. And you know, it's so funny because God was giving me a revelation for my daughter this week because, um, you know, she's been complaining that her stomach was hurting and she, and she couldn't go to the restroom. She hasn't had a BM in days and her name literally means grace and favor. And God was like, grace and favor has been backed up. But through this final flushing, the grace and favor over your life is about to be released in epic proportions. But he has to flush out the old stuff, the worldly mindsets, the worldly perceptions, the worldly understanding. You see, God is about to show you his hand. And I've been saying this for a while that oftentimes God will hide his hand from you. Think of it as like a, 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 like a, a card game, as a, as a hand that you're playing poker He'll hide his hand from you until you're ready or have produced the faith and the posture necessary to play that hand. See, think of in poker, a royal flush. This is a royal flush. Five cards in a sequence with all five cards of the same suit. The highest straight flush. You see, a royal flush is on the top of the list of poker hand rankings. He's giving you the highest ranking winning hand to play but he can't show it to you until you become his will until you wait for the power and until you speak the utterance of god you have got to produce what god is calling you to produce you have got to become what god is calling you to become you have got to release whatever else it is in you that god keeps putting in front of you going every time he push so you know sometimes god will push our buttons just to let us know that there's still something there that's rooted we might have cut it off at the stem but there's still something there and every time we have an experience with that thing he pokes us and it comes up and we like man i thought i dealt with this already well this is this is about to be a pressure washing experience he has to conduct the last emptying 
so this can become the royal flush, the highest winning hand possible. You see, the royal flush can't be beaten. It's the highest hand in the game. See, God's been wearing his poker face, allowing the enemy to think he's in control or that he has won, when all the while God was storing up all the winning cards so he could go all in for the ultimate win not just in your life, but in the kingdom. Yes, it was a long, hard journey. Yes, you watched people enjoy their summer while you worked, while you pressed, while you fasted, while you suffered, while you sacrificed, while you surrendered. But all of that was a setup for the ultimate win. And you know what's so funny? The ultimate win is coming in the midst of winter. You know, it reminds me, my husband loves Game of Thrones. <laughs> and and that he's always the people that watch Game of Thrones always running around like oh, winter is coming winter is coming but winter for you is not going to be a season of death it's going to be a season of life new life springing forth it's a season of of receiving your crown that that you've been pressing for that God has been waiting to grant to you. See Philippians 1, 6, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the final flush. But I need you to get it to become the altar to get at your altar to lay down everything that will hinder you from ascending to immediate proximity of the glory so that god can do everything that he has spoken over your life he's waiting for you to leave some stuff behind and to put some stuff down and to recalibrate your thinking about how and what is possible. It's the final flush. He's waiting for you to, to be prepared to let go of some old relationships and not cling to some old people and some and some old opportunities and some and some un old understandings. He's waiting for you to let go of some stuff that you know you should have let go a long time ago. He's waiting for you to repent. He's waiting for you to mend some fences with some people. He's waiting for you to do what's necessary to flush it out. He's waiting for you to put it all on the altar. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest when your all is on the altar. Have you put it all there? This is a pressure washing. It's a final flush. And when he flushes all that old stuff out of you, when he empties you out, 
you have to yield to the emptying though. Sometimes we 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 say, God, I'm I'm ready for you to clean me up. God, it's like a baby. You know how baby babies babies don't really like poop on their bum, right? They they want you to change their diaper, but then you start changing their diaper and they start wriggling and you like be still so I can clean you up. And they're like, oh, you know, they wanted to poop off of them, but but then they don't want to be still so they can get cleaned up. And 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 sometimes that's what we're like too. We 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 wanna we want we want the feeling of being clean we want the feeling of ascending we want the feeling of receiving all that god has for us but sometimes we wriggling and we going god but i'm not really ready to let this thing go but oh that might be too hard god oh oh this might cause conflict in that situation if if i turn away from that or oh this might cause some confrontation or this might be really uncomfortable what do you mean you want me to undo this and undo that and i'm gonna tell you one of the experiences that i had as god was cleaning me up there were all these things that he was telling me to let go of and i was like but god that's that's a part of who i am and 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 as i yielded to the cleanup process i realized he said to me none of that was part of your identity you just thought it was and and i realized that all those things that i attached to my identity were actually shackles on my feet all of those things that I thought I had to be in order to be who I thought I was supposed to be were things that the world had imposed on me to make me think that's what was necessary. And when I released all that stuff, I was like, man, I feel so much better. It's a, it's a pressure sometimes that we accept when when we take on things that are not even part of our identity not the one that god created so many of the things that we want to hold on to are a part of the identity that the world and the enemy has imposed onto us it's a part of the lies that he's told us about ourselves But in order for God to truly clean you up, you got to stop wriggling. you got to stop moving. Just yield to the cleanup process. Just yield to the cleanup process. Stop trying to hold on to stuff that you know you need to let go of. Stop trying to hold on to people that you know you need to let go. Of. I know they look like I know they they look like they need your help. I, I know they, but but some of them are toxic for your situation and they keeping you from moving forward and you in your mind going, oh, but I can't let go. Cause then what? What are they gonna think? Who cares? God got them. You ain't God. It ain't your job to say. And when they come into the understanding that God is going to bring them in, they will understand why you did what you did. That's one of the most difficult things that, that I've had to do is to turn away from some relationships that I knew were not God-ordained for this season of my life. And it's hard because because people don't understand. They, they misjudge your motives. They misjudge your heart. But at the end of the day, the question is, are you more concerned about avoiding that confrontation in those people's feelings? Or are you more concerned about being obedient to God? And what are you willing to risk for it? 
It's the final flush. Let him flush you out and clean you up so that you can ascend into direct proximity with the power and the glory. The only way you can do that is with clean hands and a pure heart. So if those hands are still holding on to something or someone that God deems ain't clean for this season, you can't go. Tough pill to swallow, but it's necessary. It's necessary. How much do you want to become the person that God created you to be? And what are you willing to do to ascend to that place? That wraps our message for today. What a powerful message from God in regard to what is about to break loose in the earth, in regard to what he needs to do in all of us to co-labor with him for his will in the earth right now. Remember that your relationship with God is your responsibility. You can't put it on anybody else. You can't put it on your spiritual leader. You have to put it on yourself. You must take accountability for yourself and get in position and seek God for yourself to understand what he would have you to do. So I pray that you take this word back to him to receive your specific instructions for his will for your life as always if you seek additional content you can also check out my youtube channel it's at war in the spirit live on youtube i love you i pray that you are seeking god and that you are finding him that you are asking and that he is answering that you are knocking and the door shall be opened Have a blessed week.